Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily News Show, Season 3, Episode 30. This is a time machine episode. I'm Merwatt, that's hometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI. You want to say hi? Good evening, Hometown citizens. Yeah, so um, we had to jump into our time machine and play catch up. I hope you enjoy the show. Today we're going to be talking about Cursive Makes You Smarter, AI Art Generators, Tiny Robot Surgeon, Smart List Gets Serious, Furry Jobs, New Snake Species Called the Shat My Pants Eye, Optimus More Prime, Rainforest Weevils, A Mass of State Troopers Arrested. I believe that when there's a group of state troopers, they're referred to as a mass. And uh, especially when they're bad. Anyway, Team Rocket tries to collect them all and more on this episode of Hometown Daily News. So we had to hop into our time machine, which is powered by a dual black hole accelerator. We've gone back to January 30th. Look, even the website is back. Oh, you can do that on your own. Yeah, it's a neat trick, isn't it? Anyway, you're capable of doing that. Just go to hometown.com. You don't even have to sign up to use that as a service, but it's better if you become an hometown citizen. The perks are, well, you can organize your news, ignore stuff, save stuff for later. Built into the system, you can actually create lists and share them with people of news, articles that you're interested in. It's a fun site. I use it to manage my information overload. You can use it for the same 50 different uh, channels that are focused on a particular topic. Like Reality Hacker is about AR and VR. Continuity Report is about movies and uh, TV shows and streams. Um, music is a different channel that may or may not show up in the coming months. Uh, but tonight we've got all of these articles already. We've got 10 articles. That's the typical show. Um, takes about an hour. We spend upwards of 15 minutes on an article and then play catch up with other subordinate articles. Anyway, let's get into it. Sound good? Sounds good. Uh... The first article is over in the Mobile Channel. Cursive handwriting could make your idiot kid smarter, study suggests. Wow. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a glimmer of hope if you're looking at uh, four last-ditch strategies to save your child from the halls of stupidity. <laughs> this article pulls no punches. We have a bunch of them from Gizmodo this uh, on today's show. Oh, okay. I mean, if you're a kid and you're suddenly signed up for a cursive handwriting class, you might be a little alarmed. <laughs> Particularly if you're a Gizmodo reader. Mom, are you making me handwrite stuff because I'm stupid? Well, child, if you're asking me that question, you might be able to extrapolate from incomplete data. A study published this week in the journal Frontiers of Psychology found that good old cursive handwriting seems better at promoting learning than typing. And if you want to pump smarter kids out of uh, our what? I don't know what this is actually going to finish with. So let's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is an awesome picture. Irina Wilhawk from Shutterstock.com. This is like a, you know, what do they call that? Just stock footage kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that poor kid. That poor kid is asking, why me? Thomas Germain over at gizmodo.com. Uh, the deck statement says, uh, get writing. A new study suggests that hand pen cursive is better for learning than using a keyboard. This is so brutal. So yeah, if you want to pump smarter kids out of our classrooms, we should probably be shoving pencils and pens into their hands. I assume that it means for writing and not directly into their hands yeah that's probably not going to help with their intelligence 
get smarter stab um the study first spotted by the register measured 36 students brains as they wrote words by hand and typed them out on a keyboard when the students wrote by hand the patterns of electrical connectivity were far more complex in areas of the brain that are crucial for forming memories and encoding new information to put that simpler in case you haven't held a pen in a while handwriting seems better for learning i don't know if that's really the the thing i think oh my god that is a horrible video that's playing there was some horror movie a thing that was playing while I, I was know. talking and I uh, uh, it was horrible 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 anyway I'm really sorry about that if you are were witnessing that and I know some people are going to be scrolling back in the video to watch that exactly but okay so the article is saying and the research is saying that well that paper is saying that if you write then more of the um brain fired in relation to learning material but it could be that you're doing more so you, it you're learning to handwrite you're not learning the material it's creating muscle memory on how to write that sentence because you're writing it right, in so cursive that's helping your brain memorize or whatever well it's helping it develop or create the synapses necessary for you to write that phrase but not necessarily learn the material because you can learn rote memorization without writing a damn thing you know i know yeah, plenty of people true. that pass plenty of tests simply because they've learned everything there is possible to learn by just going oh, drilling again and again and again the same material so they say we urge that children from an early age must be exposed to handwriting activities in school to establish neuronal or neuronal um, connectivity patterns that provide the brain with optimal conditions for learning. I think this might be one of those things that when you look at the source of funding for this, it's going to be something having the, to do um, with the cursive society of America or something. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, not cursive, but um, what's the penmanship penmanship uh, association right, right. <laughs> um or the calligraphy calligraphy united you know the union that supports calligraphy pens being wild, wildly expensive so penmanship is a dying art but according to the study it's the very process of moving your delicate fingers across the page to write in cursive that gives you your brain uh, gives you the brain boost not your brain a boost like my you brain know, just the person that wrote this didn't have the cursive lessons. Gives you the brain boost. That's a weird way of saying that, I suppose. But anyway, it says, interestingly, the increased connectivity between the various brain regions seem to be linked to the specific sensory motor processes that are so typical in handwriting the study reads. There's more to this article, but I don't know. I, I, I think I will buy into the idea that you're learning how to write and that's what's firing off in your brain not the material itself the results were conclusive brain connectivity patterns were more elaborate when students wielded the pen but again that's because i i don't believe that and i'm sure that it's it's quite the opposite of what i'm saying but i, I find it hard to believe that simply firing off a bunch of synapses is akin to bigger brain development it is and it isn't you know if you're learning the dying art of cursive really how is that really benefiting you in any way as a human being they're saying that anything that fires off more stuff in your brain leads to right so it's not cursive specifically it just happens to be one of the things and you do anything that you haven't been doing and your brain is going to be creating more and more connectivity patterns so just do unique new stuff like so much psychology research the study used college students rather than children but the scientists said the findings have major implications for young kids dumb or otherwise <laughs> i love this article uh why me that's the picture why me 
All right, let's go on to the next article. Uh, then the next article is over in the mobile channel, the best free AI art generators ranked. What is AI art? Well, all of the many, many ways armchair philosophers have come to define art in the act of human expression. AI generated images don't have much in relation. There is certainly skill in knowing the correct type of prompt to get the results you want, but there's no real intent behind the image. That's not oh, true. Oh no, not the prompt engineer again. It is, but you know, they're saying that the image has no real intent, but that's not true. It's not true. So Kyle Barr uh, wrote this article with updates and new AI art generators being released. AI art needs to do more than composite a bundle of pictures found on Google image search. I don't think that's exactly what it does, but that's okay. I won't belabor this. Um, the question then becomes why use AI generated images? This artificial art has become a shortcut for lazy PR professionals asked to pump out ill-fitting images that don't hold up even cursory scrutiny. Entrenched art communities from sites like DeviantArt have largely decried any or decreed any, uh, any and all AI images, generated images. Now you have companies like Shutterstock and Adobe. More people would be interested in using AI image generator than uh, or that's trained completely on images. Each site owns and controls. Getty Images also has its own AI art generator built into its user interface. Stable Diffusion Stability AI for using um, copyrighted photos is being sued. So this article goes into, is this an AI? Say hello to the young greyhound named Skip. Oh, it's a photo. Um, there's supposed to be a list. So I think it's right here that they rank these free uh, art tools. What is all this? There you go. Anyway, um, there's 26. They start at 22 though, model scope. Is this really going to be like this? The whole thing? I'm just going to list the slides. So they rank the best and uh, number 22 is model scope. And then it goes all the way down to Leonardo.ai as the best free. It's almost like a, uh, what's the name of that show that the morning show that um, oh, I started uh, watching? Mythical morning. Mythical, yeah, good mythical morning. Um, yeah, they <laughs> the least worst or the, the oh yeah, like the best worst or whatever. Yeah, the least best. <laughs> so Leonardo.ai is the number one. Catbird AI is number two. Being image creator, which that boggles my mind, is number three. Um, Mid journey is where in this do they mid journey does it doesn't even appear it's at the end because it says no longer free yeah um oh right 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 so it's no longer free that's that's true so um yeah quite interesting it says bonus mid journey magazine oh yeah i think it's the thing that lists a whole bunch of um mid journey art so like the best of the best so I'll have to check out Leonardo.ai, but I'm not going to do that while I'm on the show. So let's go on to the next article and see what we can see. But before I do that, let me throw this article into the chat. If you're really into AI uh, and art generated by AI, then check out that link that I just threw in there. The best free AI art generators ranked. This might end up in the next reality hacker. Um, but maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure. Let's keep going though. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Tiny robot surgeon will slice through fake human flesh on the ISS. Ugh. Can you imagine if it was AI powered and had a bad attitude, it would start going through real human flesh on the ISS. There's a whole uh -oh. horror story right there. Earth Orbit is getting its own space doctor in the form of a small cyborg arm reaching out for the scalpel. Let me cut a mother. Uh, so uh, 
A surgical robot is launching to the ISS to test its ability to slice through human flesh in a microgravity environment. Asant Robbie is the author over at gizmodo.com. The deck statement says launching on Tuesday, the mechanical arm is paving the way for doctors to perform virtual surgeries on astronauts in space. That's it. Why does that look so? I, I mean, the scale makes it look so big. Like it's the arm attached to the ISS itself, but obviously it's <laughs> exactly it's, it's like rocket size. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me pause that. Did we have another article about this robot arm? Um, I'm starting to think that yes, like uh, several weeks earlier. Um, Earth Orbit is getting its own uh, space doctor. The robot surgeon is part of, of NASA's uh, Northrop Grumman. 20th commercial resupply mission to the ISS launching on Tuesday at 12.07 p.m. Eastern on the board the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. The Cygnus spacecraft is packed with more than 8,200 pounds of supplies, including a tiny two-pound robot known as Mira, miniaturized in vivo robotic assistant. Nope, it's a different robot because it wasn't named Mira. Um, that allows doctors to perform surgeries remotely, or in this case, when the patient is hundreds of miles away while floating in orbit. I think the only thing that you'd really have to worry about is blood. Um, so Mira developed by the medical or startup. floating virtual, away during the procedure. <laughs> they bolt it all together, right? Hold on to the robot so that it can cut you open. Um, it performed its first surgery in August 2021, assisting in a right hemi colectomy procedure by cutting a single incision on a patient. Uh, I never want to say that again. Um, so the robot surgeon is equipped with two controllable arms that hold tools like a pair of scissors. As it stands today, the cyborg arm can't operate on its own, but rather through the help of a real life human surgeon that can communicate with it. The company is working on making its mechanical doctor more autonomous so that I can eliminate humans on its own. That's not what the article says. Anyway, make it more autonomous so that it can perform procedures on its own. Interesting, right? Not so that it can take over the whole ISS. That, correct. Um, NASA, quote, NASA has ambitious plans for long duration space travel, and it's important to test the capabilities of technology that may be beneficial during missions measured in months and years. Shane Farreter co-founder and chief technology officer at Virtual Incision, the creator of that bot, said in a statement. Pretty neat. There's some more over at this uh, Gizmodo article, so go and check it out. Kind of spooky. It is the future, though. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Smartless Podcast signs re uh, reported $100 million deal with SiriusXM. The Smartless Podcast and others under the Smartless umbrella join a growing stable of content under the new era of Sirius XM. Dun, dun, so dun. is Smartless like a platform for podcasts or is it a specific set of shows or? Shows, yeah. Phil Nickinson over at Digital Trends put the article together. Um, so Smartless Media and founders Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, these are all actors that are very, very well known. So they already have a following. Uh, the following is prepackaged around them. So literally, unless they shit the bed, they're going to have success, right? They've been in the entertainment industry their, pretty much their entire existence. Or, you know, Jason Bateman. So Jason Bateman is from um, Arrested Development. Right, and so is Will Arnett, I think. Yes. Um, and maybe Sean Hayes. I don't remember. Sean Hayes is from um, Will and Grace, right? If it's who I think it is. Man, we're losing our street cred here. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, this is all... They're pretty big guns, you know, in, in terms of the media. So Smartless already is available on SiriusXM, but the new deal 
means the company is moving from Amazon, which it signed in 2021, a year after the original Smartless podcast launch, to the Sirius XM podcast network. Bloomberg reported the deal is worth more than $100 million. Um, but I believe that they have others, right? So yeah, it'll give Sirius XM media the rights to sell advertising globally for Smartless, just Jack and Will, bad dates and owned and to make new episodes available to Sirius XM subscribers only before they hit the feeds. And the majority of the Smartless library will become exclusive to Sirius XM. So that's pretty much where that sits. Um, the Smartless signing comes amid a new era for Sirius XM, which the company unveiled in late 2023. Smartless joins a podcast stable that also includes Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, Ashley Flowers, Crime Junkie, Crooked Media, Pod Save America, and others. Um, if this image is right, it, a Wondery is over there too, but I'm not sure it's a network. So um, do you think this will, um, like expand, um, I don't know, the market or the competition for podcasts or no? See, this is so tough. That's an interesting question, but what it's going to do is like all of these, um, acquisitions for hundreds of millions of dollars. They have massive following. It's not helping the little person at all. In fact, it's isolating them because they have to get millions of followers before they can get a gig. See, I guess I was thinking it was exporting podcasts to other audiences and that then they might get, um, people interested in podcasts that wouldn't have been listening to podcasts, for instance, because they might already be on a platform like SiriusXM. Well, it'll certainly allow people to, or I should say the advertising will raise awareness about podcasts in general. Yeah. So will it ultimately, will it help adoption uh, or engagement in pot listening to podcasts? Maybe. Um, but it's kind of like um, publishing or doing fundamental research where you know it's going to be a success versus right. the failures, which or are still like successful. The publisher led um, movies like Argyle right. or whatever. Right. Or not the publisher, the producer led, I guess. Right. Yeah. When you know it's going to be a success, it's not, not that much of a heavy lift and it doesn't really push anything. It doesn't grow anything. It just guarantees you success. So I don't know. I would like the the little guy to get more attention. Um, and this is definitely not the little guy. It's kind of like a, a billionaire doing something that makes another billion dollars. Well, it's really easy for money to beget money. Um, but it's a, a struggle for somebody small to get recognition. Um, but I'm not bitter. Let's keep going. Um, the next article is over in the Marvel channel. Did I actually give credit for that last article? I don't know. Phil Nickinson over at Digital Trends. It sounds familiar, but okay. Well, anyway, uh, the next article is over in the Marvel channel. Zoo workers chase human in a bear suit to train for worst case escape scenario. That Aza or Asa uh, Zoological Park in Hiroshima, Japan held what might be the cutest emergency drill over ever this past Sunday. The zoo had a worker cosplay as a bear on the loops to simulate an animal escape. The faux ursine was successfully corralled by the large group of employees who went through the motions of bringing it under control. I titled this one furry jobs. <laughs> this one looks like an onion article. It's so odd. Ed Cara over at gizmodo.com put the article together. The deck statement says a zoo in Hiroshima had an employee cosplay as a Japanese black bear to simulate a real animal escape. <laughs> All right. So the drill apparently is an annual tradition of the zoo, according to Japanese news outlet Yomimura Shimbun. One that's performed in full view of the public this time around. <laughs> the smart God. You're at the zoo and you're just expecting to see bears. And meanwhile, you see somebody running around in a bear suit getting tackled and trained. Yeah, apparently. 
that might be fun for the person, you know, getting trained. <laughs> this time around, the scenario involved a male bear that had escaped from its cage via a tree that had fallen from a preceding earthquake. Despite the brown coloration of the costume, the disguised employee was reportedly supposed to represent one of the zoo's Japanese black bears. I'm not going to bother saying the name. A subspecies of the Asian black bear. Oh, there's video. Hold on, let's see. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't think this is, oh, part of that was this. <laughs> Sorry, for those who are listening to the podcast, they like whack it with a rake and they kick at it. Um, and they have these like soft nets and there's children that are wrapped around the, a, a red rope. And there's basically. a tranquilizer gun that I hopefully they're not using on and the person. Eh, it's not a real one. It has a red tip on it. So there's no, it's plugged. So, uh, yeah, it <laughs> gets shot with the trank gun turns around and acts like it's falling asleep and all the kids love it. That's hilarious. All right. Um, Bear zoo escapes aren't an everyday threat, of course, but they do occasionally happen. Last February, for instance, a four-year-old Andean bear named Ben at the St. Louis Zoo in Missouri escaped from its habitat not once but twice in the span of a month, though both escapes were short-lived. Ben was eventually moved to the Gladys Porter Zoo in Texas, where it, it's hoped that the new environment, complete with a moat, will be more suitable for him. <laughs> You have a That's lot of funny. faith in that mode. <laughs> yeah. But it's like those cheetahs, right? Wait, was it cheetahs? Cheetahs, yeah. Yeah, cheetahs don't like water. And it looked like maybe it was a, maybe a foot deep. And I was on the other side of that moat. And I did not trust that moat. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm no. like, if I looked too much like a meal, it might not mind the water too much. That's right. I might just be something... The water might just be used to wash me down. <laughs> the next article is over in uh, Omtown Daily. New snake species found after it suddenly moves in tree. I've named this new species. The new, spa the new snake species has been named by Marwat as the Shatme Pants Eye. <laughs> is that Latin? It is Latin. Yeah. It's uh, actually Mary's. So uh, the article is over at newsweek.com and uh, it's by Anna Skinner. I don't think this article has any, or the video has anything to do with it. But anyway, a new species of snake was discovered in the southern Yunnan province in China when the two foot long reptile moved in a tree and people shat their pants. Hence the name shat my pants eye i mean i love the amount of effort that went into this scientific discovery that's right hey look something's moving <laughs> well i mean maybe worse like they're looking and looking around in this area right they don't make any discoveries and then the snake moves and they're like oh there it is <laughs> this is weird the new species is named piraeus what is it guanshan Guanchinensis, also known as the Guanyinchus, sorry, the <laughs> Guanyinchin slug eating snake. The snakes have elongated bodies, wide blunt snouts, and a yellowish red or yellowish brown color on its head with a pinkish yellow color on the belly and tail, according to a study about the discovery that was published in Animals Open Access Journal over the weekend. That's what it looks like. Apparently. All these snake descriptions always make me laugh because I think like you're not going to get up close to it and go, well, that's not that kind of uh, snake, right? Like the color is a little wrong on the top of its head. Meanwhile, <laughs> you're getting chomped on or something. Yeah, apparently it was found by a bunch of people. Um, although what you said, you know, you're not going to get up close and sit there and argue the point, but I actually watched a video of a young girl who wanted to save her hedgehog from a snake that had grabbed onto it. And 
she held onto its tail, the, the end of the snake and swung it around like a tether ball. Oh no. Eventually it let it go. The hedgehog go and she threw the snake off somewhere. And then dad came out and then threw it again. The dog went after the snake and the, the, the dad is wearing no boots or anything, just bare feet and goes walking up to the snake. I'm like, are you out of your mind, man? But apparently they've got bigger stones than I do. All specimens of the new species were found to have small branches or on the ground beside a stream at night with forest and farmland nearby. Did so you see you how they were caught by hand at night? Like, oh, yeah. Nope. <laughs> no yeah. The snakes were caught by hand at night. You know what? No. It's just not happening here. The photo of the snake that was included in the study shows that it has brown coloring with black stripes. So highly descriptive. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was like, what do spiders have to, but they're just talking about other discoveries. Oh yeah. So I'm like, in we December. don't need a spider snake crossover or anything. Oh God, that right there is a horror movie. But I like the way you think for NaNoWriMo. I need to stop hyping NaNoWriMo in February, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting everybody ramped up for next NaNoWriMo. That's right. Prepare, everyone. Prepare. Uh, I didn't throw this into the chat. Sorry. But hey, look. We are now officially 50% of the way through the article. Or the show. The next article is over in the Mobile channel. Optimus Prime gets an ultra update in new Transformers HasLab project. In the world of Transformers, Optimus Prime is the guy. The guy. The traditional leader of the Autobots is the most popular character in the entire franchise, and for good reason. He rules. Autobots Period, unite. right? <laughs> yeah. You'd imagine it couldn't get much bigger than him, but thanks to Hasbro, Prime is about to get a lot bigger. Autobots, roll out. <laughs> Jermaine Lucier um, is the author. The deck statement says it's Omega Prime, a combination of Optimus Prime and Ultra Magnus into one massive transformer. Look at those biceps. <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, he's like full on Popeye and then what's going on? Yeah, I don't this? know. I think he didn't do equal exercises at the gym. He skipped arm day and only did forearm day. Anyway, Hasbro just announced its newest HasLab project and it's set in the world of Transformers. It takes the biggest, most famous Transformer of them all, Optimus Prime, combines them with the Autobot next in line for the Matrix of Leadership, Ultra Magnus. Together, the pair create the massive Omega Prime, which measures almost two feet tall when combined, plus every Transformer needs a sidekick, and Prime gets one in the form of Blue Bolts, <laughs> which is what happens when mechanics don't complete the job. <clears throat> Based on the 2001 trend, so I'm sorry. I, did I let that dangle a little too long? And never mind. Anyway, based on the 2001 Transformers robots in disguise designs, Omega Prime is available now for $250, but will only be released if 10,000 people pre-order in the next 40 plus days. As of the publication, about 3,000 have already been signed up. There are also stretch goals, including a 24-inch Matrix blade at 13,000 backers and some sweet display stands at 16,000. And I might end up pre-ordering this. <laughs> Let's just say I absolutely love Transformers. I want all metal Transformers, not plastic. I want die-cast metal. And having a two foot tall Omega Prime sitting back there would be awesome. Yeah, that would be good. So you can pre-order and find out a ton of additional information at a link that's going to be available. Well, right here. Let me throw it into the chat. It'll be in the show notes. It's actually been a few days since this. So they may already be sold out considering 
3,000 have already been signed up. And this is this article at the time. It's in our time machine, so it's only a day old. But ultimately, it's seven days old now. So it's probably sold out. Um, which would be a bummer for me because then the resale value of these things are probably going to be $2,500, not $250 because people are bastards. Um, but that's okay. I'm going to keep... Wait, I can tell you. How oh, really? Many, there's seven... Well, I don't know. Can I say since we're in the time machine? Yeah, sure. In current time, there are 7,396 bats and they're trying to get 10,000. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's only been eight days, seven days. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll make it because it has 40 days for it to actually come to fruition. So they'll make at least that. Okay. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. We'll have to see if it's in the cards. By the way, I thought my joke about, about blue bolts was pretty funny. <laughs> So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Weevils found in Philippine rainforest, almost like discovering a dodo bird, which is actually extinct. Uh, the University of Alberta researcher has an or a university, ah, whatever, a University of Alberta researcher has unearthed two species of weevils. One new and one thought to have been extinct that have managed to survive clear cutting in the Philippines rainforest, which really sucks. Clear cutting sucks. Bev Betkowski, which sounds like an anime character, University of Alberta. Uh, the article was written by them, but it was posted over on uh, fizz.org. The discoveries published in Topola are an encouraging sign of the potential for wildlife to recover from human made disruption, says Tom Turzen an Augustana campus biology professor who made the identifications. Nature is amazingly resilient. If we give it a chance for recovery, that's right. So come on pandemics, save nature. I mean, that was one positive aspect of it. Right. And now we're all getting back in our cars and driving back to the office. So uh, he made finds while sifting through beetle samples that had been plucked from bushes in Northern Negros National Park in Negros Island um, on in 2016 and 2017. They're just now like uh, identifying it. That's wild. I guess located, so. located in the central Philippines, the tropical islands, virgin forest. Uh, had been almost completely wiped out by logging, agriculture, and population growth by the end of the 20th century as part of the larger project to find out how insect life had fared. Terzin, whose undergraduate research lab studies color uh, patterns and mimicry in insects, when one species imitates another, noticed a short-nosed weevil that stood out not for its pattern, but for its plainness. You so boring, I'm going to identify you. <laughs> this guy was a bit strange, some sort of rebel and refusing to mimic the species. Well, maybe that's his survival trait, you know, or maybe he wanted to be a different species or <laughs> the, uh, see, I can't say this. Cause if I go, well, it's the librarians of the weevil, um, species, then librarians are going to be really pissed off because you know, they're, uh, how does that work? Um, they're, they're bookworms in the stacks, but freaks in the sheets that no, no. Do I have this all wrong. Okay. Anyway, discovering the new species is something Turzin had dreamed of since childhood. When he first became fascinated by the makeup of beetles. I love people who know when they are children, what they want to be when they grow up because I am grown up, but I act like a child. Anyway, um, he's even more enthused about rediscovering another short nosed weevil known as Meta Metaposertus, I guess. Um, Bifovetus, they have awesome names. That was last sighted on the island a hundred years ago, known to live only in the rainforest lowlands. They were wiped out by deforestation. The colorful insect is thought to be extinct, but this sample was found in a much higher forested area of the island. They don't have a picture of that one. They only have this one. 
right? Or is that? No. Why does that say a newly rediscovered species? That's it. Oh, right? yeah. Rediscovering it last sighted 100 years ago. That Does that look colorful to you? Maybe as weevils go. Right. right. I mean, I don't know what they normally look like. I mean, oh, there's the. One, yes. This is the boring one. So it's just oh. kind of weird looking, actually. I mean, I guess this is a weevil, but I mean, it looks kind of like it's stippled, you know, but it doesn't have much in terms of color. Whereas that other one, it's shiny, has yellow and blue and yeah, like shades of green. Very different. It has a reddish body. Huh? Maybe wow. that's that has helped it. You know, it's like under the radar. I don't know. Yeah. Like this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She she thinks my uh, weevil sexy. <laughs> so this one's bringing sexy back. Is that uh, this one's bringing weevil back? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this alone. Let's go on to the next article. Dun dun. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. Massachusetts state troopers arrested for taking bribes to pass commercial drivers on test. And I said earlier that arresting a group of state troopers is called a mass. This is just ironic because it's Massachusetts state troopers, not a mass, but Hey, bad cops. It could be mm. a mass of mass state troopers. And now we're getting just really meta. U.S. Attorney's Office says two current and two former Massachusetts State Police Troopers are among six people charged in a scheme to allegedly take bribes in exchange for giving passing scores on commercial driving tests. Michael Casey from the Associated Press posted this article over on abcnews.go.com. Um, the you troopers know what are, you want commercial drivers out there that can't actually drive? Because you're a sociopath and you're willing to take money for safety. You have to be a sociopath, right? So two current and two former Massachusetts state police troopers were among six people charged Tuesday in a scheme to allegedly take bribes, including a new snowblower and a driveway in exchange for giving passing scores on commercial driving tests. How did they deliver the driveway? Uh, I suppose they commercially drove it there. Yeah, I mean, having had to replace... And ran into a bunch of cars and things on the way. Yeah, exactly. We don't care how we get there, we get there. The troopers are accused of falsifying records and giving preferential treatment to at least 17 drivers from May 2019 to January 2023 who were taking their commercial driver's license or CDL test. Even when the drivers failed a skills test, the troopers passed them and communicated that they had done so with a text and the code word golden. Yeah, I mean, it's a shitty thing for them to do. Hopefully nobody's ever been hurt by their greed. Cedar Quest, who also is accused of helping four state troopers get commercial driver's licenses, accused of accepting a new driveway worth $10,000. Yeah, that's about right and a snowblower valued at $2,000 and $750 granite mail $750 granite mailbox. Cedar Quest has also asked for a shed and a plunge pool in exchange for passing drivers. Wow. Um, I don't know what else is in here. Uh, they talk about other things, but. But yeah. that's interesting. It says a majority of the people fail. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and then the system was looked at after there was a crash, but it was in a different state. So, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, somebody was hurt and everybody looked back, you know, 46% and retired, 46 current and retired troopers who worked for the now disbanded Troop E, which patrolled the Massachusetts Turnpike were implicated in a scheme in which they collected overtime pay for shifts they either did not work or did not complete from 2015 to 2017. Often, they said, the troopers issued falsified traffic tickets to make it appear as if they'd been on duty. They put so much effort into this shit, why not just work? I mean, why be a scumbag, you know? 
it makes life more difficult for everybody else because now people are going to be having to get a body cavity check simply to work, you know? Right. Even if they're legitimately taking a test or can actually pass the test. Exactly. The latest data from 2022 federal officials said showed a pass rate of 41%. And rightly so. If you're going to be driving a commercial vehicle around, they're usually bigger and heavier and have the uh, capability of causing greater harm. You should have a higher requirement to pass. That's why it's called the commercial driver's license. Not a here's a driver's license. I think it would be good if there is a pass rate of that on regular driver's license. (laughs) Yeah, based Based on on the driving skill out there. (laughs) Yep, we're on the same page there. So uh, since last year, state police said that they've made a number of reforms to the commercial driver's license unit, including requiring body cameras to be worn during exams, increasing frequency of unannounced visits uh, unit. Wait, of unannounced visits is it breaking my head? It's what not written correctly. Uh, unannounced visits by supervisors to examiners by training sites, as well as developing new training procedures and a curriculum. <laughs> well, we didn't have okay. one before. What's on page one of the training manual? Don't be a bastard. Actually make the person take the test. Don't be a greedy bastard. Mine's a little bit more straightforward. Mine's the Cliff's Notes. <laughs> too long didn't read that's right <laughs> i like that but you've passed the class uh, or the test so the last article for tonight is over in the warcrafters channel real life team rocket robs thirty-five thousand pokemon cards from a store despite using a blocked entrance crawling around on their hands and knees and missing a major release by two whole days according to this article card games are serious business with a massive heist gone wrong at Gen Con and an entire art gallery event ruined by hungry scalpers forming just part of the hobby's high stakes controversies last year. These things are worth a lot of money and where there's money, there's theft and where there's theft, there's idiots. As reported by ABC seven news, a store by the name of tofu's trading in San Jose was hit by some of these trading card criminals last week. Though, as the store manager, store's manager, Amy Simpson, pointed out on Instagram, they weren't exactly probably the best that we truncate the feed. So uh, Harvey Randall over at PCGamer.com put the article together. The quote of the, well, the deck statement says, unfortunately, the thieves were in and out very quick. <laughs> I'm not sure what that actually results in. Um, so let's see here. Amy Simpson pointed out on Instagram that they weren't exactly the brightest yolks in the Ah, uh, execute. It's a Pokemon. Oh, right. Man, that's so forced. Guys, guys, says Simpson over the security camera footage of one of the team rocket level criminals crawling around on their hands and knees while the partner in crime rummages loudly through a cash register. Quote, I know you're all excited about the releases this week. But they released January 26th on Friday, not 2 a.m. on a Wednesday, before she points out, also, that's not the right door. Speaking to ABC7, Simpson exclaims, or explains that the robbers broke in through our side door, which was kind of ridiculous because there's a fridge blocking it. <laughs> wow, that's like <laughs> announcing a fire hazard or a, a violation. Yeah, of a- exactly. Yeah, it's like... I wonder if they had a surprise inspection after yeah, this. The very next day, yeah. As for the release of Simpson, primarily referring to the Paldean Fates expansion, which made its debut yesterday in stores. This is our time machine, folks, so this isn't happening in real time. That unfortunately didn't stop them from making off with a large amount of stock, as outlined by a later post on the store's Instagram. This includes 35,000 Pokemon cards, a cash register, Magic the Gathering boosters, and a bizarre 500 card sleeves which typically costs around 15 to $30 for a bulk of that size. Simpson tells ABC seven that she's certain they weren't in it for the hobby because they didn't know what to take. Well, they weren't in it for the theft because they didn't know what to take. They're all around idiots. Yes. Anyway, they can take our products, but they can never take away. They can take our products. 
but they could never take away our love for running a local hobby store in our community. I know it doesn't flow as well, but... Nice brain heart. <laughs> More like brain fart. Oh, that's awesome. Tofu's trading hosts a variety of events, so good luck on them. And uh, positive vibes, Tofu, for being so chill about this. I probably would be livid and try to hunt these Team Rocket dimwits down. It's pretty funny. There they are. There's one of them. Look like pretty hardened criminals. I know it. It the person looks like like it just goes like the top of a sausage straight into like a big potato. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like the I'm not a, a, a thin dude, but. You're crawling around on your hands and knees inside of a shop being recorded. Uh, we've all made mistakes, but for crying out loud, if you're going to do that, don't be stealing from a Pokemon trading card shop. Go, go for something a little heavier hitting before you become a felon and have to explain in jail. Yeah, man, I'm in here because I stole Pokemon cards. You want some of this? <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be. If I collect them all, I guess. Never mind. I'm not gonna say that because it's not. I shouldn't be saying this about the prison system. Anyway, that's it for tonight, folks. We get back into the party bus, drive down Main Street, hell bent to get to the front page. Uh, if I reset this, the time machine will shut down. So it's all nice and warm and operating smoothly. So we're done for tonight. I'm Marwat, that's hometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that keeps an eye on Marwat. You want to say goodnight? Oh, great one. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow for another episode of Hometown Daily. I actually barely tapped the button on the stream deck, and it almost kicked in the ending, and it would have just stepped all over your lines. That would have been totally bad. unacceptable. In my head, uh, I felt bad. Good night, everybody. We're going back to the future.